Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. You and I have the ability and the dignity and the right to make our own decisions and determine our own destiny. You're listening to The Underground. I'm your host, Frank Salvato. Reopening now on pause in Oregon and Utah as new cases mount. The governor of Texas looking to July 4th for a full reopening of his state as Harris County, which includes Houston, records some of its highest numbers to date for new cases and hospitalizations. Overnight, Minneapolis on fire. Protesters leaving an auto parts store in flames. Others seen looting a local target. All of it after demonstrators approached one of the city's police precincts. We're about to lose the front of the precinct if we don't move this crowd out of the front. Across four continents today, tens of thousands took to the streets honoring George Floyd and protesting racism. CBS's Roxana Sabiri is in London where huge crowds chanted Black Lives Matter for a second straight weekend. 19 states are trending up in the past week. Texas, Florida and South Carolina posting single-day records as the CDC predicts 130,000 virus-related deaths by July 4th. In the beginning, back when the framers were first debating the ground rules for the great American experiment, they concluded that a free media was important to society in that it would serve as a balance, an oversight body to government. It was believed then that should the government set itself to executing nefarious or unconstitutional acts, the media would be the tool that would alert a vigilant people who would, in turn, exact pain on those in government. It was because of this belief that the framers included in the Bill of Rights' First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution protection for the press. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Plainly put, the framers established protection for the media so that it could speak truth to power, 
so that a corrupt government could not silence legitimate dissent, and so the press was free to provide opposing views so that a free people could decide for themselves, at the ballot box, what direction they wanted to take our country. I and a former colleague of mine, Brian Cherry, believe the framers never envisioned a media so corrupt, so ideologically agenda-driven, or so disingenuously manipulative as today's media. If they were, for even a second, able to conceive the idea that such a reprehensible assemblage of operatives and opportunists would control the media, we suggest that they would have dramatically narrowed the scope of media protection so that each member of the media and the many media organizations could be held more immediately accountable for damages their products produce, keeping in place the sequestration of government from enacting litigation. What do I mean by damages and products? Let's start with the idea that the delivery of news for profit is the creation of a product for sale. Every media outlet, from a local paper to national, regional news channel to network, terrestrial to online, creates a product in the form of news information, which the public purchases. It is a product. We either purchase this product with our currency, or we purchase it with our time and exposure to their advertisers, who pay the publications for ad space and FaceTime with you, the customer. Today, some less-than-scrupulous media outlets even sell accumulated data based on the use of their products to the highest bidder. So, the news media sells a product to consumers, and that product is information. And as with any product, the consumer has a right to reasonably assume that the product functions properly, that the information being sold is accurate, fact-based, and truthful. Should the product be inaccurate, factually in error, and or untruthful, then it is reasonable to label that information as a defective product, a lemon, as it were. If you were to buy a product, a car, a computer, even some foods, and that product was defective, you would naturally return the product to the store asking for either a refund or a replacement. Any reasonable and responsible private business would be remiss to refuse the return of a defective product for the damage it would cause their reputation. In many cases, the refusal to receive the return of a defective product is actionable. In every state in our country, we have a form of the Lemon Law, law that establishes warranties providing a legally binding remedy meant to compensate purchasers for products that repeatedly fail to make standards of quality and performance. Federally, there are two types of warranties, express and implied. Where the media is concerned, an implied warranty is applicable. A manufacturer, or in the media's case, a publisher, must meet certain minimum standards of quality deeming the product marketable for the purpose intended. This is the basis for an implied warranty. It need not be in writing, and the obligation arises from the sale of the product itself. Understanding the argument that news information sold for profit is a product, and that there is a reasonable expectation that this product is based in accuracy, fact, and truth, 
Every time the mainstream, regional, and local media publish or pursue a storyline that is not accurate, not fact-based, and or not truthful, shouldn't their products be subject to liability? Why should the media be able to hide behind the First Amendment when it advances, knowingly, false information? It shouldn't be able to. The First Amendment to the United States Constitution specifically addresses the government's limitations in establishing a law that abridges the freedom of the press. It does not, however, forbid the creation of laws, read penalties, that allow for financial compensation and or other remedies for the damage caused by irresponsible, inaccurate, anecdotal, and or untruthful reporting. This brings me to the notion of damage. What damage does irresponsible, inaccurate, anecdotal, and or untruthful reporting cause? Truthfully, the damage the mainstream media has created in our society is already close to an irreversible point. Let's examine two major stories that have captivated the news cycles recently. COVID-19 and racism as it relates to the death of George Floyd. We're in the early days of the pandemic, and if only 5 or 10% of the population has, has had this infection, we have a really long way to go. I know it's become politicized. Put that aside. The virus knows no politics. Face coverings required in L.A. County, which moved into phase 3 today, after recording its highest single-day increase this week. On or about the end of February... The nation's people faced the force of law in a state-by-state -state national quarantine because of the COVID-19 virus. Experts from the World Health Organization and our own Centers for Disease Control and Prevention sounded the alarm and predicted that doing nothing to control the spread of this disease would tally an estimated 2.2 million deaths in the United States. In light of this widely publicized information, thanks to the media, the world went into an almost two-month quarantine that destroyed the most vibrant economy since the post-World War II boom of the 1950s. Yet from the very beginning, qualified medical voices were vehemently pointing out the flaws in the mortality models and questioning the lethality of the virus. These protests were ignored and even condemned by the media. On social media, which by their structures, also sells information for profit, Sun Platforms openly and overtly admitted to censoring dissent and information that wasn't part and parcel of the biased narrative advanced by the World Health Organization and the CDC, Facebook and YouTube being the most egregious. Even when the World Health Organization and the CDC continuously changed their determinations on the virus, contradicting themselves almost daily, the media still touted the doomsday scenario. At one point during the height of the event, the front pages of almost every major newspaper and the online versions of Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, and NBC were filled with only stories about COVID-19. The media whipped the people of the world into a paranoid frenzy of desperate information consumers who were both afraid to breathe the air and who had no immediate knowledge of where to find the facts. Today, 
after the public's attention was ripped away from the media's fascist COVID-19 propaganda campaign, courtesy of the death of George Floyd, we see two damning pieces of information that prove the media failed in doing its due diligence for their delinquency in covering opposing viewpoints about the COVID-19 virus. From NPR, which gleans revenue streams from both advertising and federal tax dollars. About 1.7 million people have been infected by the coronavirus in the U.S., and scientists are finding evidence that the virus is both more common and less deadly than it first appeared. NPR's John Hamilton reports. The evidence is coming from places like Indiana. Nir Menachemi is the chair of health policy and management at Indiana University's Fairbanks College of Public Health. He says when COVID-19 first arrived in the state, he got a call from the governor's office. They wanted to know how many people had been infected and how many would die. It was really difficult to know for sure, and not just in our state, but frankly in any state. That's because health officials only knew about people who'd been sick enough to get tested for the virus. And Menachemi says that number can be misleading. It doesn't capture the vast number of people out there that might also be infected, but not seeking medical care. So in late April, Menachemi led a study of more than 4,600 people statewide. Participants got two tests. The first was the standard test that looks for the virus itself. It shows whether you have an active infection. The second was a new type of test that looks for antibodies to the virus in a person's blood. It detects people who were infected but have recovered. Menachemi says the study showed that coronavirus had infected about 3% of the state's population, or 188,000 people. That 188,000 people represented about 11 times more people than conventional selective testing had identified in the states to that point. And nearly half of infected people reported having no symptoms at all. Menachemi says it was like finally seeing the entire coronavirus iceberg instead of just the part above the water. And that allowed his team to calculate something called the infection fatality rate, the odds that an infected person will die. Menachemi says Indiana's fatality rate turned out to be about 0.6%, or roughly one death for every 175 people who got infected. Still, it's much lower than earlier fatality estimates based on people who got sick. Some of those exceeded 5%. And the results in Indiana are similar to those of antibody studies in several other areas. To add insult to injury, when President Trump expressed his confidence in the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine, the media smeared him as a disseminator of dangerous information and cited a study from the peer-reviewed medical journal The Lancet as the basis for its attack. But on June 5th of 2020, The Lancet issued this retraction. Several concerns were raised with respect to the veracity of the data and analysis conducted by Surgisphere Corporation and its founder and our co-author, Sepan Dasi. We launched an independent third-party peer review of Surgisphere with the consent of Saipan Dasi to evaluate the origination of the database elements, to confirm the completeness of the database, and to replicate the analysis presented in the paper. Our independent peer reviewers informed us that Surgisphere would not transfer the full data set, client contracts, and the full ISO audit report to their servers. As such, our reviewers were not able to conduct an independent and private peer review and therefore notified us of their withdrawal from the peer review process. 
Based on this development, we can no longer vouch for the veracity of the primary data sources. Due to this unfortunate development, the authors request that the paper be retracted. While the media attempted to cite a source as the basis for its condemnation of the president, their citation of a retracted study proves they relied on a single flawed source atop of a biased World Health Organization and CDC narrative, once again refusing to balance their reporting with opposing views. The damage? Inaccurate, biased, non-inclusive, and disingenuous reporting advanced information that terrified a world populace into destroying a global economy to the brink of a macro-depression. Industries were decimated, jobs were lost, and the country was divided ideologically even more so than it was before the event. The social damage is incalculable. The financial damage is most likely in the high tens of trillions of dollars. Officers in riot gear tried to maintain order. You can see the smoke bombs in the distance and police have been firing pepper spray to try and disperse this crowd. Hundreds of protesters had gathered here and now police are trying to push them back to keep the peace. They gathered hours before. Furious at the death of 46-year-old George Floyd. When is it really going to change? When is it really going to stop? The outrage building nationwide. In Los Angeles overnight, Black Lives Matter protesters blocked a major freeway. This man jumped on a police cruiser as it sped away. Now, as a disclaimer, I don't condone the use of excessive force by law enforcement. The appropriate use of force? Yes. The use of unwarranted violence in apprehending a suspect? No. I realize, as should everybody else, that every situation is unique and that armchair quarterbacking police activity without having first-hand experience in facing the unpredictability of apprehending a suspect leans towards naive arrogance. I support dedicated law enforcement and believe our society owes them gratitude for a thankless job. That said, George Floyd's death was an unnecessary tragedy. Like the coverage of Michael Brown's death in Ferguson, Missouri, and the death of Trayvon Martin in Sanford, Florida, the media has done more to politically and societally weaponize racism than anything since the most potent days of the Ku Klux Klan, doing so with their coverage of the aftermath of George Floyd's death. Just as with the initial coverage of the COVID-19 virus, the media, from Fox News to MSNBC and all ideological flavors in between, went wall-to-wall coverage on the protests as they first unfolded. Were the protests called for? Yes. Was the coverage of the protests and the rioting and destruction that ensued in the aftermath warranted? Yes, it was. The events were newsworthy. But was the charge of systemic racism as a justification for violence and rage accurate, fact-based, and truthful? No, it was not. The media, knowing full well that peaceful protests have been targeted to advance the ideological activism of organizations like Black Lives Matter, which had long ago been compromised by the anarchist group Antifa, ignored the fact that the overwhelming number of violent and destructive incidents taking place had everything to do with anarchy and nothing to do with the subject of racial equality or reforms in law enforcement. 
Yet because sensationalism sells ad space, the media elites made purposeful decisions with a sense of absolutism that the politically correct white privilege guilt vehicle precluded any opposing viewpoint or argument. The media, and again this includes the social media platforms, chose a side and advanced a singular and exclusive narrative devoid of any conversation that would allow a dissenting voice or alternative viewpoint to be heard without massive and often violent retribution. The non-coverage of opposing viewpoints paled in comparison to the overt censorship on social media platforms, often resulting in the removal of posts and the suspension of posting privileges. Just as with the COVID-19 event, a cursory examination of a wide array of media outlets showed that a singular and biased narrative on race relations was dominating on every front page and online landing page. The damage? The false reporting of an epidemic of systemic racism in our society, a declaration made without debate and based on nothing but emotion, has spawned riots that have destroyed businesses and livelihoods, further crippling an overwhelming number of economies already hard hit by the COVID-19 quarantines. It has also fomented an unprecedented level of lawlessness and acts of treasonous secession in the form of the so-called CHOP zones that will require an abundance of government intervention, read tax dollars, to quell. These are just two specific instances of journalistic misconduct showcasing the deliberate curation of a multitude of disingenuous informational products in the form of news stories purposely created to manipulatively social engineer the public's perspective. These defective products are produced routinely and are disseminated daily. If the purpose of the media and the products they create is to accurately and truthfully inform the consumer on critical issues, then these two cited instances not only prove journalistic malpractice, they set the stage for a potent and long overdue argument for reconfiguring the media's First Amendment protections to include more publicly accessible and immediate remedies for the malpractice of selling defective products, read inaccuracies and untruths, to the consumer, to the American public. The framers established First Amendment protection for the media so that it could speak truth to elected power, not so it could empower itself to socially engineer our society to accept a particular ideological narrative. Manipulating the thoughts of the masses is not the purview of a free press. It is the tyranny of an elitist minority, and a free people cannot and should not tolerate it. Let's expose the tyranny of the elitist minority. I'll be right back with my Monday segment of the Captain's America Third Watch with Matt Bruce, broadcast on the Salem and Genesis Communications Networks to over 2 million people daily, right after this. 19 states are trending up in the past week. Texas, Florida, and South Carolina posting single-day records as the CDC predicts 130,000 virus-related deaths by July 4th. Minneapolis on fire. Protesters leaving an auto parts store in flames. 
we're about to lose the front of the precinct if we don't move this crowd out of the front, out of the front. This podcast segment has been brought to you by the Emerald Coast Tea Company, makers of all-natural, handcrafted, exotic blend teas. When it comes to tea, no matter what your preference, the Emerald Coast Tea Company has a tea or tea blend just for you. Order yours today at emeraldcoastteacompany.com. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. This is the Captain's America Third Watch. Coming to you live from Tampa. Call in now and talk to Captain Matt toll free. 877-969-8600. He's on the air, taking on enemies foreign and domestic, and uniting Americans to the cause of liberty. We will rally the world to this cause by our efforts, by our courage. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Good morning, America. Hello, world, and welcome to the Monday morning edition of the Captain's America Third Watch. I'm the Captain Matt Bruce as we broadcast tomorrow's news today and tonight right here on my flagship station here in Tampa, Florida, as well as from my Moss Family Automotive Studio to great radio stations across America, in the Caribbean, and around the world, too, via the Internet and the satellites we broadcast streaming live online. Now, a special shout-out goes to our military men and women, our EMTs, our firefighters, police, hospital, and ER room workers, our 911 dispatchers, the Border Patrol security officers, the U.S. Coast Guard, and all those helping out in the coronavirus effort, too, keeping us free and safe. Now, to the truckers, the warehouse, the factory workers, the butchers, the bakers, the maintenance, the janitorial workers, the mechanics, the construction workers, the bulk mail centers, the Uber, Lyft, taxi, and bus drivers, as well as all the roughnecks out there working on the oil rigs across the country and around the world. Thank you for what you do to keep America rolling along. Now, don't forget... You can follow us on Facebook by going to the official Captain's America Third Watch Facebook page. Click on the like button. And then while you're there, jump into the chat room and get involved in a conversation with us. Just like Cousin Vinny just chimed in a couple minutes ago and Steve a couple minutes before him in Thailand. All right. To Frank Salvato, the the host of the Underground USA podcast. Good morning, sir. Mr. Captain. Let's say the pledge and get rolling. You ready? You got it. I pledge allegiance, I pledge allegiance to, the flag to the flag of the United, of the United States, States of America, America and to the, to the Republic, Republic for which it stands, one, one nation, nation under God, God indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And we emphasize the two words under God because our great country was founded on Judeo-Christian values. Well, we had a shoot 'em up kind of weekend, Frank, on top of everything else to go along with a big rally in Tulsa that didn't quite have the number of people there in in person, but... Four million people total watched the stream, the video stream, by all the different means it was out there. Yeah, and you didn't hear that trumpeted on CNN or MSNBC. They just wanted to talk about the empty seats. That was the first thing I saw from the AP. Oh, empty seats at the at the Trump rally. Um, but you know, when you've got when you've got a mainstream media complex that is so disingenuous about uh, there's going to be protesters, there's spikes in the coronavirus, and then you've got 
you've got protesters that are blocking entryways, and you've got people who are taking temperatures for the for the box center mm-hmm. who decide to just leave early. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't let anybody else in. What do you expect? So you're going to get bigger numbers on on the internet, which you know, if it's all about the message, it doesn't matter how it's delivered. Sure, sure. Now we also back in your old home turf. Uh, when I started doing my research late yesterday afternoon, I saw that we had 30 people shot in Chicago, nine people killed. About an hour ago, it was updated to 70 people shot, 11 killed yeah so the the advice of 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 the mayor there gordon lightfoot or whatever her name is um (laughs) is to not hey don't defend yourself don't pick up a weapon and defend yourself people um you gotta wonder what she's thinking when 70 people can be shot over a weekend and 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 the police are are under threat of being defunded You've got to ask what her rationale is to tell the citizens of that city not to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Then you had Seattle, and you had the magical land of Chaz, now known as Chop. You had Chop, one yeah. one. <laughs> you had one teenager that was killed, another one that was wounded. They were not going to let the police in to begin with, or the EMTs. They had to pretty much push their way in to get in there. And then there was another body in there that they would not let them go to that had been apparently assaulted or whatever. And we still don't know about that one. You know, the the president of the National Federation uh, Fraternal Order of Police has to get very, very vocal about this for for his rank-and-file coast-to-coast. If you are going to have mayors uh, and county administrators and sometimes even governors telling the police that, A, you're getting defunded, but, B, uh, you have to respect these these chop pork chop zones or whatever, the karate chop right, zone, right. you know, if you're not going to allow them to respond, they have to be indemnified from the lawsuits that are eventually going to come from the people who weren't served by the first responders. Yeah, because I could because I could see that coming. I I could see the family of these kids saying, "You never responded." Well, yep. how am I supposed to respond when A, you won't let me, and B, you won't let me defend myself if I have to go into this lawless little zone? Yep, and it happened in Minneapolis too. Um, one man was dead, eleven people were wounded in some sort of party that went awry. That the, the shots rang out, and uh, same thing when the police responded, they were outnumbered. Uh, they had to back off, and then they came back with reinforcements and got in there to uh, deal with the situation. But you don't know if the person died because they couldn't get to him in time or not. Well, and th- <clears throat> this is your example of what would happen if the police are sidelined. Yeah. These are, the, these are the perfect examples of what happens when you don't have any first responders. You don't have any law enforcement. It gets defunded. And um, communities cannot police themselves. We're looking at Chicago. This weekend, 70 people shot. Seattle, you've got people dying and, and not getting any services. This is what it's going to be. You can't. They cannot police themselves. They won't police themselves. And if you're going to sign up for anarchy, get ready for a bloodbath. Now, the other thing is, is this woman that was identified as being the arsonist in the Wendy's that they have a clear picture of turns out to be the girlfriend of the deceased Rayshard Brooks. Yeah, we got a we got a, a drunk who likes to grab at uh, police officers' belts for tasers and, and point at them and, and try and assault them. 
and you've got a lush that decides she didn't get her Wendy's burger, so she's going to go set the place on fire because her boyfriend was stupid enough to fight with the police. Uh, you know, this woman, A, needs to be, you got to find her. Then yeah. you have to charge her with arson. Yeah. And then we got to make sure she gets a charge with attempted murder. Yeah, hold that thought. Folks, I just got a tweet from Broad- Juanita Broadwick. You probably remember that name. She says, hey, Dems, what are you so worried about that you have to spam tickets and threaten people trying to enter a peaceful rally? I guess that means you don't believe the polls either. I'll be right back. Thanks, Juanita, for the... Uh, the tweet be right back this is the captain's america third watch news insight passion am 930 the answer online at the answer sarasota.com am 930 the answer hi this is mike gallagher you're listening to the captain's america third watch with captain matt bruce indeed you are and this portion of the program brought to you by my very good friends at moss family automotive and their Moss Nissan and Moss Acura dealerships. Moss is spelt M-A-U-S. To find out more, go to MossNissan.com or MossAcura.com. And while the factories were slowing down production and many dealerships were running out of cars to sell, Dave Moss Sr. and Dave Moss Jr. went on an inventory buying spree so you don't have to settle for what was sitting on the lot. Now, with over a 1,000 new and pre-owned vehicles to choose from, Moss has a vehicle for everybody's budget. And before you buy that new Nissan or Acura elsewhere or your certified pre-owned vehicle, see what Moss has to offer you because there are four words you need to know. You serve, you save. That means all pastors, all faith workers, all veterans, all first responders, all active duty military get a discount on your purchase of your automobile, new or pre-owned at Moss Family Automotive. Now, want one better? Tell them the captain sent you. That's an extra $500. Tell them when you walk in the door, the captain sent me. Boom. That's $500 off the car or truck that you're looking at. So before you buy, before you buy that Nissan or Acura somewhere else, remember the goal at Moss is to never lose your business over price. They've got many favorable finance programs, including 0% loans with approved credit. And I got a better one for you. Need service on your vehicle? Want to save some money? Here we go. All pastors, faith workers, veterans, first responders, active military get a 20% discount on your service of all makes and all models at Moss Nissan or Moss Acura. Now, they've got locations in Newport Ritchie, U.S. 19 and 54, Crystal River on U.S. 19, and two locations at 11001 North Florida Avenue. That would be Moss Nissan and Moss Acura. Go to MossAcura.com or MossMAUSNissan.com to find out more. And always remember to tell them the captain sent you. Well, Mr. Frank, now, what the heck, John Bolton let me tell you about my one and only uh, meeting with John Bolton when it was, uh, let's see, it was 2012, and uh, we had the presidential convention here. Remember? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got to interview John Bolton, and he came up to me because uh, you know, I'd been trying to interview him. I was on the list, and he agreed he was going to. He comes up to me, and his words to me were, just what kind of questions are you going to be asking me? And I said, well, sir, uh, do you have something you want me to ask you about? I, I've got a couple things in mind. He says, do you have a piece of paper? And I said, yes, I gave him a piece of paper. And he wrote down the three questions that he took 15 minutes to answer. That was it. 
Yeah, uh, no one who is concerned about the country wouldn't be pining to talk in front of a congressional committee if there was something desperately wrong in the executive branch after he got fired, mm-hmm. even before he got fired, let alone take the time to write a book before you start whining about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, what do I see? I had a friend of mine saying, you're watching the John Bolton thing? I said, no, I'm not. You know why? Because if he took the time to write a book before he decided to, to alert everybody about something so egregiously wrong in the Trump administration, that means he is nothing but an arrogant profiteer who's taking an opportunity to enrich himself before an election. So John Bolton can, can pucker up, and, and, and I'll bend over. I, he's lost all credibility with me. He's not a diplomat. He's not even an intellect. He's a self-serving, arrogant jackass. You're right. And now we have to contend with the fundamental transformation of America and the fundamental transformation of our history by watching statues of Ulysses Grant, Francis Scott Key, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and now Theodore Roosevelt at the Museum of Natural History. Uh, The excuse for that is, well, there's a black man and there's a Native American behind him on the ground while he's up on the horse. Excuse me. They were rough riders. That whole thing was depicted about Teddy Roosevelt when he was a commander of the Rough Riders. And the Rough Riders had Native Americans and black men in it. Yeah, you even got a, a group of these incredibly ignorant, arrogant, uninformed, uneducated, emotional crybabies wanting to pull down a statue of Abraham Lincoln with an emancipated slave. Wow. This is a guy who freed the slaves, and they want to tear it down because there's an emancipated slave there. This has got to stop. When you tear down and erase history, you're doing the things that the Taliban does. You're doing things that ISIS did. You're doing things that the Nazis did. You're erasing history. Mm -hmm. Or Or the the Russians. If you if you want if you want to look at something that you find offensive at a statue, use it as a teachable moment to try to make a point to somebody that you're trying mm-hmm. to impress. Mm-hmm. But don't erase history because you know what? People who don't pay attention to history, people who erase history, they end up making the same mistakes that history has afforded us before. And and if you if you look at Auschwitz, yeah, you you. You have a symbol of six million people who were slaughtered at the hands of a megalomaniac. Do you see the Jews wanting to burn that down and eradicate it? No, they wanted to stand for the rest of time so people never forget. That's how short-sighted and stupid these people are who are tearing down statues. Now, based on what I continue to see, the disruptions across America and all the youth out there on the streets, because, again, the colleges are out, right? Yeah, colleges are out. And it's uh, the professors are out in some cases with them, because I think some of these organizers, some of these little older people that are there with them might be some of the college teachers that are out there with their students practicing their, their, quote, civil disobedience. But I also see the likes of a Valerie Jarrett, of an Eric Holder, of a Van Jones in the middle of all of this, because this is what they do. Yeah, it stinks of all three of them. They they are the chaos bringers. The yeah, the modus operandi of the radical left is to create the chaos and then come in with an organized solution. 
uh, even even if people don't necessarily agree with the solution, they see a path back to normalcy. That if if you read the books, that is that is what their mo is. Yeah. Uh, as, as as for the the college professors, these are these are people who couldn't make it in the real world, so they they latched on to academia, the holdovers and and the has-beens from the sixties and the seventies. Right now. They they took over the education system. Now you said the college kids are are out of school. Mm-hmm. What what that translates to me is I guess they can't get to the kegger in time because these kids <laughs> are leaving school yeah. not educated, not informed, with zero critical thinking skills. They're a pack of lemmings, and this is an this is exactly a perfect example of it. Tearing down statues instead of actually having any kind of an intellectual discourse about what the statue actually stands. For so our education system, when you get into into the colleges, parents, be very careful before you agree to send the, your kids to school and pay those enormous bills because they're not getting taught critical thinking skills, and that means they're not getting taught how to think. That means the education is worth zero. Yeah, and if I talking to my God loving and gun loving and patriotic constitutional loving listeners that are out there. It is time for us to take control of the narrative and bring America back to America and stop all of this nonsense. Yeah, that's job one in any political movement is to control the narrative. The left has done it so well for so long, they're brainwashing people with even with even just a very little effort. They're brainwashing it, it, our it, people because they scared to buy Jesus. Frank, I've never had so many emails over the weekend for a couple of different reasons, and I had people telling me, I'm not going to that rally. We're all going to die because they told us we're going to get sick. Or, oh, I'm not going. I, I had several thousand emails emails to that effect and i tried to tell i told him on the radio show i did saturday night i said you can't be afraid of this i said you got masks you got all sorts of stuff practice your social distancing as best you can go to the rally and have a good time i'm going to be a little bit radical here the masks don't work even right. n95 that's true too fell mm-hmm. in, the, in the air so they don't work that's a line of crap yep and but we but you also would have seen spikes in seattle minneapolis New York and Chicago, mm-hmm. and the only place I've seen a spike so far is in New York and Florida. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with these protests that that were supposed to be, oh, let's go out there and, and, and protest in the streets, people should be dropping yeah. like flies in these yeah. areas, and they're not. And let's qualify the spike by saying it this way. Just because you test positive doesn't mean you've got it. It means you may have already had it, number one. And you don't see the people loading up the hospitals either, do you? No, it means you've got the antibodies for it, and, that, and that's what her, herd immunity is about. And, of course, you're going to see a spike in numbers because we've got more tests out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I understand it's about 500,000 a day now. It's a, we, we have got to get over this panic that, that the media and, and the left has created about this virus. It's done. Go back to work. Yeah, and by the way, for the people getting that extra $600 a week, nice work while you can get it, but it's got to go away. Ruining, ruining, ruining the nature of the country and why we have jobs to begin with. All right, Frank, I'll talk to you on Friday. I'm sure we're going to have some fun. Stay well, All right, that's my buddy, Frank Salvato. And I'll tell you, and I'm getting comments right now from uh, folks, and you are right. You are right. Who's that? Oh, that's Eric. Okay. Eric, I'll look at that in a minute. And we'll be right back with more on the Captain's America Third Watch. Don't go anywhere. This is the Captain's America Third Watch. If you enjoyed what you heard, 
please subscribe, like, and share our podcast with your friends and family. This podcast can be heard on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and TuneIn, as well as on podcast platforms like CastBox, Podcast Addict, Sonos, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Himalaya. This podcast has been a production of the Underground USA Podcast Network. All content is used with permission and exists in the public domain pursuant to the fair use law. You're listening to the Underground Podcast Network.